So today I'm interviewing Tracy Benjamin. She's the creator of the popular food blog, Shutterbean.com. There you can find a million recipes for really any occasion in your life ever. She'll show you how to meal prep, keep a food journal. She's got her intentions of the week, grocery shopping hacks, and other random hidden gems, like a video of watching an acorn grow into a tree. In part one of this series, our first course, if you will, we're gonna discuss our issues with binge eating, which in my opinion is an under-examined subject, and in terms of acuity is right up there with anorexia and bulimia. Besides discussing the foods that have the most power over us, we're also gonna look at the possible origins of our cravings, as well as some of the internal processes like rationalization that seem to trip us up every time we try to mitigate our habit. We also look at the movie Shrek, which besides being about large green ogres who save the world, is also, at least I think, about body dysmorphia. I also recall a childhood incident where, if God exists, I'm certain he sent me several care packages of chocolate chip cookies just for me, because I was having a hard time being a kid. Tracy talks about a dieting tip she got from Hugh Hefner, of all people. And we just chat about how much we love food and just how awesome it is and how difficult. So listen, my name is Benjamin Russick, marriage and family therapist, and this is my podcast, Look, Just Tell Me What To Do. So today's topic. Oh man, we're going to talk about food. Yes. Food. In, what, in what respect are we going to talk about food? Um, I suppose we should discuss binge eating. Yes, binge eating. Because yeah. I suffer from binge eating. Yes. And rumor has it that you have struggled with that as well. Yes. Although I'm going through a pretty good period with it right now. I am not. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk briefly about the three big eating disorders. There's binge eating disorder, yeah. there's anorexia and bulimia. So mm -hmm. anorexia, of course, is based on restriction where folks will drop so much weight that their bones will get brittle and their organs, their shut, organs down. shut down. It's really scary stuff. And then bulimia, which is you know vomiting your food up after every meal. And I've heard that they sometimes rot their teeth out because of all the bile. Yeah, it's they, like the, the acid. Yeah, it's just really, really terrible. So I noticed that most of the literature out there is about anorexia and bulimia, which is good because it, right. they're really dangerous. Binge eating disorder is more like a slow burn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it takes decades to kill you. It really just shortens your life. And How does it shorten your life? Uh, because you're not as healthy. Oh. Your cholesterol is really high. Or okay. You're, like if you don't do something about it. Like yeah. If you're, let's say if you're old and frail and you're 300 pounds, you fall over and really hurt yourself. You yeah. Know? Things like that. It just, it just, your odds are not as good. So like the shows like 800 pound mom, like mm -hmm. that kind of, that's. Yeah. Those are binge eating. 800 pound uh -huh. mom are binge, are binge eaters, but those are really extreme cases. When I tell people I have binge eating disorder, they look at me like I'm crazy because they think, oh, you're in perfect shape. And I used to be 300 pounds. So I was a pretty big guy and I, I didn't exercise. I was woefully out of shape and 300 pounds of not a lot of muscle and mostly fat. Yeah. I was a pretty squishy guy uh, back in my 20s. Just more to love. <laughs> well, uh, I wasn't very much in love with myself. But anyway, um, so I would like to talk for a minute about our relationship with food because yeah. we love it. I love it. I love, I love it food. so much. It's so good. People say, what would you rather, food or, and I'm like, food. Food. Whatever yeah, it is, whatever sure. you have to, whatever you have to put in that little thing, food is better than that. For sure. What do you like to eat? Oh God. <laughs> um, I always like to ask people what their last meal, like death row meal is. And for me, <laughs> uh, for me, it's lasagna and garlic bread, French fries, 
basically anything that Garfield would eat. Garfield is the cartoon yeah. cat character, but anyone under the age of 40 might not know what we're oh, talking yeah. about. He is a hysterical Fat. cartoon cat. And one of my favorite ones is he goes, finally, for the first time in my life, a diet worked and he's slim as a rail and he eats one potato chip and his stomach just goes boom. Oh yeah, <laughs> that would be me. Isn't that how it feels? Yeah, totally. Like you lose five pounds and then you go out and you have like sushi. Oh God. I think I have like an extra stomach for sushi. So I like to talk about my divine foods list. Okay. What does that mean? Food that is has has a spiritual hold upon my soul. Okay. The definition of a divine food is any food that I see that if I see it, it doesn't matter who the food belongs to or what diet I'm on or whether I've eaten 10,000 calories that day or I've had all the sushi. Yeah. Which wouldn't matter anyway because sushi's weird. Um, I'm eating it. Okay. Right? What's on the list? Well- garlic bread soaked in butter. It can't be like the skimpy garlic bread. It has to be like, you know how like the lame garlic bread and there's this, that line of butter. Like a half an inch. It has to be or the whole thing. It just has to, it has to be like a sponge that you've pulled out of the sink. That's just dripping with butter. Totally. Yeah. That's how, right. So you understand. Especially like the end piece because then it has this ledge (laughs) (laughs) of butter. It's so good. I don't really like it in the middle because then it's like, there isn't enough structure to keep the butter in. Yeah. So it just gets all like soggy. Soggy garlic bread is such a waste. It is. Like, I'd still eat it. Though. Yeah, I know. But it's, That's you feel the problem. there's not as much of a payoff. Anyway. Well, you can heat it up the next day too. Yeah, you can. Or you can just throw it in the broiler. So like if you're ordering pizza and they have a garlic bread option. Well, the thing is, is I'm does not, that I'm, tempt you? Well, y- yes, except that pizza is also on that list. Yeah, me too. So pizza substitutes for the garlic bread. So the, my insanity, my insanity will be satisfied with the pizza. Okay. Right? I like like a garlic knot or two before I start eating pizza. Like a what? A garlic knot. <laughs> a garlic knot. Do you know what a garlic knot is? I... It's like it's like garlic bread, but they take the pizza dough and they oh, roll it up. That sounds good. It's like got garlic and butter in it. And cheese? They put yes, cheese in it? Yes. They bake it and then they take it out and then they like toss it in cheese That's and butter. It's really good. Yeah, I would be. If I saw one of those- you could put one on a string and I would just oh, put yeah, it after it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Pizza is on my divine list. Uh, I also like salami sandwiches. Ooh, um, are you a mayonnaise person? Yes, I'm a okay. mayonnaise person. That's, I don't do mayonnaise. You don't do mayonnaise. Mm-mm. What's wrong with you? I just think it's like extra fat. But that's why it's good. Mm. You don't like I don't taste? like, I like eggs, but I don't like the smell of eggs or like when things oh. are too eggy. In the drug world, there's different designations for like, oh, I'm a heroin user, I'm a this, or I'm a that, or I'm a, I'm a crack addict. But there's one, I think it's called garbage pail or garbage. <laughs> Are you a raccoon? Where they, where it's someone, it's a drug addict who will take anything. Okay. And I'm that way with food. Okay. I eat it all. Like all the all right. food, all the time. I don't. You have like a banned food list. Kind of. Okay. What's yeah. on it? Um, I don't like mayonnaise. So that also means like no pasta salads. Um, I don't like deviled eggs. Yeah, those are kind of, they're kind of a bit much. I eat pretty much everything except I, well, not everything. I don't like ham. Like a ham sandwich is just disgusting. Swiss cheese, it's so good. Mm, Swiss cheese I can take in like like small. I love bacon. Okay. Bacon's great. That's like the only ham I'll eat and carnitas. And I don't eat veal. Just on principle? Yeah, I just, yeah. the color of it too. Is it's not the wrong color. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's not, not right. that's not supposed to be, no. that's supposed to be a pig or a fish right. or something or a it's chicken. Not it's right. not supposed to be a, a cow. My dad and my, my mom really love veal. It's mm-hmm. gross. 
kind of hard to find. I don't really see veal in a grocery store. It's not very popular. No. no one wants to be seen buying it. No. They go to the automatic checkout to buy their veal. Um, I wanted to call you out for the donuts that you brought to Sam's oh, yeah. birthday. So those of you listening at home, there is a podcast, I believe it was with Sam, where I talked about the donuts at his birthday party that right. showed up. And I had a spiritual experience <laughs> with one of the, it was a bear claw donut that had like all this apple filling in it. Ooh. That was just apple like- Apple fritter? Or was it like well, a hybrid? It was, I, it was some kind of hybrid. Yeah. Okay. Cause it wasn't like a traditional bear claw with all the flaky pastry stuff. Yeah. It was, it looked like a regular donut, but was shaped like a bear claw, had the little claws on it and had just like a whole slab of apple filling in it. Mm. And I talked about how eating it was like, I could feel like a hole in my soul being filled up. Donuts can do that too. They do. Yeah. yeah. And I guess what upset me about the whole ordeal was that not only was there a box of donuts, but there was also cake. carrot cake yeah. that- and Another dangerous that, thing. That Sam's mother is responsible for assaulting me with. Yeah. It's her fault. It's and and, and you brought the donuts. Yeah. You did that. Because who brings donuts to a birthday party? Um, I was asked to bring donuts. Who asked you to bring donuts? Who is this person? Georgie. Georgie. Yeah. Georgie did that. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll have to send her a But I message. made sure they were good donuts. You certainly did. Yeah. I picked them all. Yeah, they're very I love good. apple fritter and I love cinnamon roll. Mm. I don't understand people who like the plain donuts. Just like on. plain, like old fashioned? Old fashioned. Or, or just like a glaze? Like, like a yeah, just old fashioned without even the glaze on them. You know, people like those. And I don't understand yeah. why would you eat- It's like the vanilla. It's, you know, like people like vanilla ice cream. I just it's think- It's kind of like that. There's something wrong with those people. Don't you think? Um, I always get one- you know, like when you're sniffing perfumes and stuff, okay. you kind of need like one glazed donut. It's like the coffee bean of the perfume world. You kind of like need to clear your palate with it's like, like a regular- like ginger. Like for oh sushi. yeah, totally. Totally. You're more advanced than I am yeah, with food. I think you're maybe. much more discerning. This is why you have a, a list of foods that you don't like. You yeah. are more discerning. I think you're the healthier of the two of us. I think I am actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Sorry about that. No, I, 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 it's nice to meet. Maybe I can learn some. Well, I've been dieting since I was a kid. Were you ever put on many, a diet? Many, I was put on a diet. How old were you? I was maybe, uh, I don't know. Was they, they were putting using yogurt instead of. Like plain man, yogurt? Yeah, plain yogurt instead of mayonnaise. Oh, in what application? Sandwiches. Oh. It was awful. It was really, really gross. So I'm, I have some experience with, with that. Do you ever watch skinny people eat? Sometimes, yeah. It's weird. It know? is a little bit weird, yeah. I have two friends that are really small and I was out with them and I, I, I was matching how much they were eating and I was so hungry by the end of dinner. Because <laughs> they didn't eat much? They kind of pick at things and they, yeah. they don't really dive in. You've noticed that? They, yeah, and they don't really care if they leave food on the plate. Right. That's like a big no-no for yeah, me. Yeah, but they drink all the wine. That's true. You notice that? Like yeah. I, I won't even drink very much wine at all during dinner. And they, they was really interesting. At the end of the meal, my plate was clean. Theirs were kind of half full and my wine was half and their wine was gone. And they were both looked at me like- Maybe they just like want to catch a bigger buzz and not eat. Yeah. I think one of them was probably an alcoholic. Oh, but that that's, another, that's another story. Let's talk a little bit about rationalizing. Okay. There's uh, a lot of that. There's a lot of that. How, when you, you know you're on a diet, you're not supposed to eat X, Y, Z. One of the reasons that I work in the drug and alcohol field, mm -hmm. and so I was really able to relate to addicts a lot because I know what it's like to rationalize and to rationalize one's way towards food. Okay, so I have two older brothers and a dad. 
and my mom passed away a few years ago. And so I'm left with just like men and eating with men. And my dad and one of my brothers, they're the type of eaters that they will eat a lot. So, and then they work out to like counteract the eating. They work out every single day so they can eat a lot. There's a name for that. It's called exercise bulimia. Oh, yeah. is that what that that's is? A whole, there's a whole thing oh, geez. Yeah, around that. I'm more of the person where I will eat less so I don't have to work out. So I don't count calories, but I am taking stock of like what I've been eating. I have a food journal that I created and that I enter food into. So that kind of keeps me accountable to that. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned as I got older is that I used to maybe have like a binge and then it would be like, okay, I'm going to have salads for the next two meals to like counteract how much I ate. And as I've gotten older and my metabolism's changed, it doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. What do you do when you, like, you know, you're not supposed to eat something like my divine food listing. When I see something yeah. I really want, my, the kinds of things that my brain goes through are, okay, I won't eat as much tomorrow or I'll work out tomorrow yeah. or what did I eat today? I'll sit there counting all the calories yep. that I ate today mm -hmm. or I will... Uh, how long is it before bedtime? If I eat that, then I won't eat for the rest of the night. Yep. And I'll do all the, do you, does that oh, sound yeah, familiar? I, like ruminating thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping a tally and track. And then I also feed my husband and my son. Mm -hmm. So then I have like a running list of their nutrition. So yeah, it's very exhausting. We haven't even talked about having food be my work too. That's oh, like gosh. a whole other level. You, yeah. We'll get to that. In a, should. We should. So I wanted to get into the, the real meat of this episode is about the underlying causes of binge eating disorder. And the basic premise for me is that food equals love. And that seems to be oh, the yeah. consensus among most folks, sure. uh, that it's a way of getting love. I think that most disorders in this world are ways, sneaky ways of getting love. Drugs, I think, are a way of getting love. People who are rageful even are looking for weird ways of getting love. Tr everyone's trying to uh, someone wants to get famous or someone's, you know, starving themselves to look beautiful. That's a way of getting love, right? Yeah. But food is, is just one of those ways. So why don't you tell us how this developed in your life? Um, okay. I'm from an Italian family. My dad's Italian and my grandma was like a food pusher. She was an amazing cook. So good. But she was like the type of person that didn't let you leave the table unless you had third helpings. And if you were like, no, I'm cool, grandma, she'd be like, what's wrong with you? And so then I have my mom who was not into food at all. She grew up a really skinny child. Food was like more of a fuel thing. Mm -hmm. And you eat because you have to, not because you want to. So there was like this real weird battle between my mom and my grandma about food. And so my mom kind of had to learn how to cook to sort of compete with my grandma. Okay. So my dad loves food and that was how he felt love from his mom. So all of our family get togethers as a child, all related around food. It was like bacchanalia. <laughs> like uh, my grandma just poured everything into feeding us. 
there's this thing where if you're in community or you're around family, it's almost like calories don't matter. You just experience like this love and connection and it's all through food. And then as Italians, it's not just like a one hour situation. It's like all day eating. Is it also possible that the your family system was healthiest when it was around the dinner table? Oh, for sure. Right. That's another thing. So my mom made us dinner every single night. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. So cooking was mm-hmm. like one of her main responsibilities. And we had to wait every night for my dad to come home from work so that we would eat dinner together. Oh, wow. And so sometimes he'd come home late. It would be like eight o'clock and we would be just like so starving by the time he got home that it kind of created this dynamic where we were all like, shh, like jamming food into our faces. So that's like one part of the binge system that I have. But another thing was that my dad worked a lot and I saw him on the weekends, mostly when my mom was like sick of us and like, here you take the kids. So my dad would take us out to like ice cream or whatever. And my dad was always like, get whatever you want. So of course, food is love. I tried to get as much as I could. And I tried to keep up eating with my brothers as well. So then it was like, if my dad wanted to eat his feelings, we were all eating his feelings with him. And so my dad had a very complicated relationship with food. He like yo-yo dieted. So my brothers gained weight and I gained weight. And the focus was more on me having to lose weight. So I would always be put on a diet with my dad. My mom would get pissed because I ate too much, but I was never modeled like moderation. Also, my mom and I couldn't relate because she she was like made fun of for being skinny as a kid. And I had like the opposite. It's like when you tell somebody like stop being sad, stop being depressed, but it's like that's going to fix them. My Mm -hmm. mom would be like, you need to stop eating. You need to work out. And then I learned when I went on a diet with my dad that my value came in being skinny or thinner. So I would get praise if I weighed less. So it became very complicated. And as an adult, I've learned moderation and self-control, but I really had none when I was a kid because I didn't see anybody model that for me. Well, also your eating habits were entirely dependent upon the opinions and the actions of yeah. others that had nothing to do with what you for thought sure. or what you yeah. wanted. It all had meaning outside of you. Yes. Yeah. So you had pretty severe body dysmorphia, I'm imagining. Yeah. How was that as like a teenager? Did you struggle with Um, image stuff? Well, I was on a diet like in high school. So I just thought that I needed to keep up with my friends. I think what I've learned in the past about eating and it being like a numbing thing, I think that part of me, I lived in a family with men and going through puberty and the body changing, I felt really uncomfortable with my curves and my shape. And I think that part of me ate so that I wouldn't get attention for my body. Oh, I've heard that with women. That, yeah. Yeah. I went on a cleanse in my 20s and I realized that I could feel my skin more. Like I felt less padding when Mm -hmm. I lost weight. And when I felt that way, I realized that there was this correlation of padding, like padding my body to protect me from, I guess I would say the male gaze. Yeah. 
I lost a bunch of weight in my teens and it felt like my bones were touching the air. Yeah. I felt naked. Yeah. Felt your exposed. clothes feel weird. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Like you feel you, like a hanger. Yeah. Almost. You do. Yeah. yeah. Like things are, and it doesn't feel right. I felt like I could be blown over by the wind or I'd be vulnerable. Or I could be pushed. It's like armor. Padding. Yeah. Padding or armor. Yeah. That's fascinating. I've noticed that sometimes men in particular gain weight to, they're like cannonballs. Like they'll bust into a room and they'll, they're kind of big and narcissistic and loud and they just sort of take up a lot of space. And yeah. It's almost like like they, an ogre. Kind yeah. Of. They, there's a, that's a different form of, I guess, armor. Not really. I don't know. It's more like a weapon. Like Shrek. <laughs> yeah, like Shrek. I was amused by Shrek because the, um, it's like he's, he's got this princess, right? Who's really beautiful. All the things that I would ever wonder, like when I was younger and fat and I always thought I'll never get a girlfriend and you know, I'm not good looking enough. I'm not thin enough. And then it's like, he had no interest in her, but then she becomes this troll and she actually, in my book, downgrades herself. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh, you're perfect. I wonder what life would have been like if Shrek was a part of my childhood. I think I watched it when I was probably in high school. So it wasn't like a like a core memory kind yeah. of thing. But it really is a movie kind of about body dysmorphia. Yeah. It's weird. For sure. Because he's totally confident. He knows he's an ogre, but he likes the fact that he's an ogre. You know, he's yeah. comfortable in his swamp and his thing. And Can I ask you a question? Please. Um, do you love watching movies that involve food? Like, do you pay attention to Okay, thank you for asking me that. I almost for, movies? Yeah, so it, one of the things that drives me completely insane, the, the diner scene. Okay. So somebody's in a diner and they've ordered all this food and they're just, they're sitting down, they're just about to eat all the food. Like it looks good. And I've usually been sitting in the well, movie. Well, cause it's room. like food style. It's like, too, it's like, right. All, right it's food style. Yeah. It's all the food I'm not supposed to eat. French fries, burgers and all this shit, you know, and there's sometimes there's a milkshake and somebody comes in and does, says their thing, da, 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 da. And the person gets huffy and says, well, fuck you or something, something, something. Yeah. And they get up and they leave. With all the food on the, the table. Food. It's just like, like what, yeah. what? like, no. That bothers me. What I enjoy about the cinema and food is when there's like a scene like, did you see Groundhog's Day? I did. There's a scene in Groundhog's Day where Bill Murray is just at a diner eating whatever he <laughs> wants. I love any movie when people, I guess, binge. Um, there's oh. another movie. Uh, binge I Without Consequences. Yes, Totally. Defending Your Life. Did you see that movie? No, what happened? There's a scene in there. So he's like in heaven or like sort of this purgatory. He is on a trial for his life. You see like the rules of this liminal space of calories mean nothing. So he just goes full force on eating because he can. Also in Harry Potter, you know, like the table, there's that feast and all the kids are eating. Or maybe in hook. It's too. a form of liberation because it's like, the, what would life be like if we didn't have yeah. to feel all the guilt and the shame? And we oh, could just so eat much. and eat as much as you wanted and everything would be fine. Like all those fuckers with those really fast metabolisms yeah. that can eat whatever they want and they. It, it catches up to them. That was the lesson that I learned that. with my mom. One of my uh, childhood, there's a book, it's called Harold and the Purple Crayon. Yeah. Do you remember that book? Mm -hmm. It's a good one. Can you imagine why I'm bringing it up? Yeah. Because why? Isn't there like a pie section? There's a pie. He's hungry. Yeah. He, like, he, he, this, so the, the book is that Harold has this crayon. He gets out of bed and he, he creates like a balloon or something like that. And he yeah. gets on the balloon and he sails off to somewhere and he, he says, okay, I'm flying enough. And so he draws some water and he draws some land and lands on the, on the land. And then he's hungry. So he draws these pies. 
Yeah. And then he he realizes he's made too much pie, so he draws a hungry moose to eat the pies. And I just like I wanted my purple crayon because I wanted oh, a yeah. pie so bad. Did you? That reminds me. How do you feel about the scene in Stand by Me? Did Did you see that? Oh movie? yeah, with the purple with the pie, eating the contest? pie eating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good question. I always lard ass. To, yeah, lard ass. Yeah, and the way that a narrator tells, and then lard ass yeah. did this thing, lard and, and ass. lard ass, lard ass. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it was. It kind of scrambled my brain because Lardass is not supposed to be the hero. Right. He's supposed to be the one that gets that gets picked on. Picked on. And but he had it's like ultimate revenge. It's weird. I think that kind of messed me up a little bit as a kid because I always wanted to have an eating contest just to like compete with my brothers. Have you seen the eating contest people? Yeah. They're very strange. And they're totally. not overweight, a lot of them. No. How does that work? I don't know. I think that they probably have to have good metabolisms or work out or maybe don't care. I wonder if they throw it all up afterwards. Maybe they take laxatives. Ugh. I don't know. It just seems like you'd feel real sick Yeah. after doing that. Yeah. My old therapist, he was really old fashioned. He tried to cure my eating problem by having me overeat. Oh God. Which is just In front of him? No, just like, he's like, you know, go eat like, you know, 10 pounds of salami and you'll never want to eat it again. I'm like, no, that really didn't work. Like how much salami did you eat? A lot. 10 pounds. Is uh, not 10 pounds. Okay. But I just, he was brilliant, but he had some serious flaws. In so his it's like eat until you feel sick of it. Yeah. Cause the thing is, is that it, to go back to sort of my thing for me, food, when I was a kid was the only way I enjoyed, I experienced the world in a way that worked. Like my parents fought a lot, didn't get along. Our family didn't, we didn't, we didn't function. Were your parents and together? They were, okay. yeah, um, barely. And school, I didn't have any social skills for various reasons. And so I didn't get along with anybody at school. And so I had nowhere to really go. The anecdote that I talk about are these uh, Chips Ahoy started leaving samples on the doorsteps. Oh my God. And I would walk to, I walked to school one morning and it was like, I wasn't allowed to eat certain things at home. Yeah. My parents didn't know what to do with me, but here, eat this yogurt sandwich. And like, they didn't know what to do because I was gaining so much weight. And then at school, I'd get teased for eating the wrong thing. And so God himself decided that Chips Ahoy should sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> so on the way to school, there was just all these soft, chewy cookies left on people's yeah. doorsteps. And I made myself absolutely sick eating them. You just like pilfered them from people's- It wasn't pilfering. It was a gift. It was like manna from heaven. Okay. It was sent to me. Wow. You know? That's a good rationalization. It, it's not right. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's the truth and you know it. I, mean, I don't really like Chips Ahoy. But chewy cookies are good. It's like the soft, like the Duncan, yeah. what were they? Keebler Elves? It was, was like know, a- It was like a chocolate chip, chewy, yummy- Cookie. Tender. Really delicious. I mean, my, my favorite cookie is the oatmeal raisin. We weren't raisin. allowed to have cookies at my house. Yeah. That's another thing. We had a lot of weird limitations about desserts, and we only had desserts or real butter when we had company come over. Oh. So I grew up with margarine, Fleischmann's margarine. So like my mom wouldn't serve guests margarine. Mm -hmm. She'd buy like real butter. And so the next day we'd have leftover butter and I would just make my toast super buttery. I was called Butterball as a result too. Oh. Not fun. No. By whom? My dad. Your dad called you Butterball? Yeah. yeah. Did he not realize that he was being a really unpleasant human being by doing that? I don't think so. I think he thought it was funny and cute. Wow. 
Not sure about that. Parents do the stupidest things. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened. It's cool. I love butter. Me too. It's considered God's gold. Really? Yeah. Oh, I have a thing about butter. So have you seen The Witch? No. It's a scary movie. And it's basically these these folks, the year is like 16 something. It's rural, super rural America or 17 something. I don't know what year it is. And they move out into the middle of the wilderness mm-hmm. and try to make it on their own, right? And this witch comes and messes with them and it's, it's a bad time. But they use a lot of old school language yeah. in the movie, like directly out of the, I guess, the text from the time. And one of them is there's this one where the, basically the devil is saying, uh, he's tempting this woman and he's saying, do, uh, do you want uh, nice clothes and butter and milk? And I'm like, butter Ooh. and milk? Is like, like, yeah. like, that's weird. Like, I guess back in the day, butter was not easy to come by. No, it was probably at the same level as spices, you know? Because you couldn't waste the milk. Right. No. Yeah. Are you a salted or unsalted butter? Salted for sure. Oh yeah. Unsalted butter. What's your like butter brand that you love? Uh, it's this Irish brand. Kerrygold. Kerrygold. Yeah. yeah that's the one. The biggest. I like it's, it's really a big good. cube. Me too. Although it's so expensive now. Yeah. It's like getting ridiculous. My friend bought one. It wasn't Kerrygold, but it was something similar. It was like a stick of butter. It was. It must have weighed three pounds, and it was like it was good. Yeah. Just, I like the idea of seeing it. Like, it's like watching, it's like seeing uncut bacon. It's like, why does everyone make you think it's these little teeny bits when you can, yeah. like, give me the whole thing. One big slab of butter. Do you think that binge eating is different from alcoholism? No. Say more. I think that there's something in your brain that tells you that one cookie is not enough. Okay. Just the same as like one drink is not enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can go and eat eat a ton and then feel like shit. It's the same with drinking too. And you knew better, Mm -hmm. but the self-control isn't there. Mm -hmm. I think almost that food is a bit worse because we have three meals a day where we're faced with that. Right. Where with drinking, I mean, some people can start the day with drinking, but mostly it's reserved for happy hour and then late into the night. So I think with food where it's very tricky is your breakfast can kind of set the tone for the day. And if you don't do it right, your whole day could be screwed. It's like food is easily accessible. You don't have to go to a liquor store. You can just get it anywhere. Yeah. It's really difficult to delineate for me between hunger and craving because you have to eat, as you were saying, you have to eat. Yeah. It's like, there's never a time when it's okay to drink. True. Um, You're not just thirsty. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Do you have a hard time delineating between um, hunger hunger and and craving? Sometimes. Yeah. Although I've done a lot of intermittent fasting. So I've sat with the feeling of hunger and I reminded myself what hunger really feels like. Yeah. That happened to me when I did, I did Atkins. Oh yeah. That's, we didn't even get into to my college years. Okay. Atkins was my jam. Was it? Yeah, yeah. it worked. It worked. It's, it really it's did. It's ferocious. Because I think what it does is it regulated my mood. Your blood sugar isn't spiking from all those carbs. For sure. And suddenly you're like, when you're hungry, you're actually hungry. And it yeah. just came like, I thought I was going to fall over. I was like, I hadn't, I don't think I had been hungry in years. Also, I work well under restrictions. I feel like restrictions breed creativity. So when I took away bread, I found other ways of getting like my bread fix. I liked having rules. So it was just easy to go and out to dinner and be like, no bread, please. And, but, um, yeah, I fell off that wagon. Yeah. Carbs are delicious. They really are. Well, you realize that they're basically a carrier for fat yeah. and other things. I mean, I went like four years without a sandwich. That sucked. 
you know, you can't replace a sandwich really if you're on Atkins. No, I invented a lot of like, I did very creative things with tomatoes. Oh. Like, cause they can work like kind of like bread if you slice them and they're kind of firm and you can put stuff on them and I don't know. What was your like, Atkins snack? Like your favorite thing? Um... I would do really weird shit because I was able to binge, right? Yeah. I would go to the grocery store and I would just look around for like weird stuff like liverwurst and like oh, wow. like pickles, like liverwurst and pickles. And like I'd make like really alien charcuterie stuff, just stack things together. And I liked taking salami and then putting roasted almonds in it and then just like pop them. Oh, yeah. That it was sounds delicious. Good. Oh, I would. Yeah. I would take, I would use salami like bread. So I'd wrap, yeah. I would wrap. Salami around. Or like a lettuce cup kind of situation. Yeah, but salami cup. <laughs> yeah. One of the most fattening things that I got into was um, having half and half lattes. Breve lattes. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Those are Oh, good. my God. Yeah. That was like so sinful. And the thing Delicious. you got to indulge in all this sin yeah. and lose weight, which is bizarre. Very bizarre. Honestly, I think that a lot of Atkins is just calorie restriction because you don't, I don't think you end up getting as hungry because you're filling up on yeah. protein and fat. For sure. And intermittent fasting, I think, is the same deal. I don't think anything magical happens because you're not eating. I think that people tend to eat a certain amount between a certain time period, but I promise you I could gain weight on intermittent fasting. I would just eat 5,000 yeah. calories in those periods uh, yeah. easily. Well, I've tried to do that with intermittent fasting, but then I get really full and then it's a couple hours later then I'm hungry and then I miss my window. Yeah. What progress have you made in your overall relationship with food? So as a food blogger, um, I have to come up with new recipes all the time. And it's very challenging to be around food constantly and not eat it or like not go overboard with eating it. Mm-hmm. It's been a challenging relationship with food. And about, I want to say three years ago, I started food journaling. I created this little journal that I helps me track all of my meals and my water intake and my exercising. And so I've gone through about nine of those journals. They're all like 12 weeks periods. I did it with the intention of just checking in with myself. I know that calorie counting is not good for me. How does it not work? Because I just start eating shit that I don't want to be eating just so that it's under calories. Oh, do you know what I'm saying? Sure. So it's like- Like three spoonfuls of nonfat yogurt. Yeah, or like going crazy on celery. It's just oppressive, really. I had a, a roommate in college who would write down all of their calories and it just became stifling. I just can't imagine being able, being keeping, can yeah. you imagine the obsessiveness around that? No. Uh, yeah. Because with anore- anorexia, with a lot of anorexics, control is a big issue and controlling each little- teeny tiny calorie is kind of their thing. It's like they don't have control over their lives, but they can control that. And it's just- I get it though. Yeah. So food journaling really helped. What I have issues with in my work is that a lot of the recipes that I make that are more fattening and not healthy and indulgent are the more popular recipes. And so it's almost like it's not good. (laughs) It's not good because then it's like, okay, do I want to be popular? Do I want my recipes to be popular because I'm giving people license to eat it? My mom and my grandma always said, never trust a skinny chef. So 
I don't know. In my world, there are people who do what I do and they're really thin. And I understand it's because they don't eat the food that they make in some cases. Because I love to cook and I only make things that I would want to devour myself. Yeah. Well, it's also what I've learned in food blogging is, and when you're taking photos of food, that there's another layer of stress that happens when you're trying to get a good shot. Food doesn't behave the way it wants to when you want to take pictures of it. So it's like, if I want to take pictures of ice cream, it stresses me out yeah, like greatly because I have to get the shot. Yeah. And so um, you have to work really fast and you have to make sure that things aren't too melty. And so when that layer is added to eating, it's like after I get the shot, I can easily get triggered to like binge. Like, okay, well now this food is melting and I don't want this Sunday to go to waste. And so it's like this weird relationship with food that way. Um, so when I started food journaling, I just became more aware of when I was eating, why I was eating. I learned a lot about my habits and what has been really tough in my world is that I know that what works for me and my body is eating the same thing over and over again. Like for example, Hugh Hefner, terrible example, but he used to say that um, he would eat a bean salad at two o'clock in the afternoon. Like everything in his life was calculated. So he didn't have to think about food. So in a perfect world, I would eat the same thing all the time and be able to maintain my weight. But because I have to come up with new recipes and new ideas, it throws off my eating schedule, if that makes sense. Interesting. I would love to be able to have a regular dinner, but maybe I shot dinner at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And so I'm like eating something that I already like stressed out about. That's new to me. I, I just eat whenever I can. Yeah. And also in food journaling, I learned what my patterns are. Like I like to eat a couple hours after I wake up. Ideally, my lunchtime is at 11 a.m. I would love to eat dinner at five or six o'clock, no later than that. But my family, you know, there's baseball and they don't, we don't eat until like after eight. Do you think that resonates with some of the stuff from when you were a kid with your dad? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I've learned a lot about that in the past two years because my son is really into baseball and he practices at least four nights a week. I was waiting to eat until they were done with baseball and it put me in such a terrible mood. It reminded me of my childhood. And so what I've learned is that if I do meal prep for myself, then I can make myself something easy to eat from my meal prep so that I can eat while they're at baseball. And then when they're home, I can make them dinner. It sounds to me like you're looking for tricky ways to remove the projection that you have on food. And one of those ways is by having us having things on a schedule. So yes. it doesn't resonate with some of your It's like stuff. how Steve Jobs wore the same thing all the time. So did like, Einstein. <laughs> yeah. 
if I didn't have to think about food, it would be great. Yeah. I don't have that luxury though. You know, I don't have anybody cooking for me. So right. yeah. it's not like a, oh. Cause you're, you're the, you're the cook in your house. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But I'm also the only person that feels guilty about food in my house too. So <laughs> At it's least you didn't tricky. pass it on to your kids. Yeah. Good, good luck. Good work. Yeah. We'll see. So you think you've made progress over the last few years? I think so. It's tough, isn't it? It is tough. Because like, there's, there's no such thing as relapse because you, you just, we have to eat. Right. Know? I think one of the things that keeps me at a constant is not wanting to buy new clothing. Oh yeah, I got that so one. So I know that like, if I lose weight, then I have access to all these clothes. You know, one thing that got me going is this project here. Yeah. Because I'm going to be doing more videos. Oh and yeah. I'd like to be, you know, 10 pounds thinner. I'd like to lose my COVID weight. I, I gained some COVID weight. It's like everybody did. It was the sourdough bread situation. Yeah, that was that's a tough situation because fresh baked bread must be eaten immediately. Oh yeah, like less the, than twenty four hours. Yes, well, twenty four hours. How about yeah. twenty four minutes? That too. What's this? Uh, you're you're an amateur. Well, I had the bread baking schedule where I would be done with it at like eight o'clock. It was like kind of built in that way so that I wouldn't binge at night before bed. Okay, baking time. Is there anything else you want to talk about in your relationship with food that we haven't covered? I don't know. I love food though. <laughs> <laughs> That's really. Do you have a favorite? Favorite food? Yeah. Such a thing exists for you. You know what? I was listening to your podcast with Sam mm-hmm. or maybe Reese. Okay. And the Apple story. There's that, okay. of course. But I found out that you don't go to McDonald's. I do not. Was that never a part of your childhood? No. My parents are elitist, elitist snobs. Okay. God bless them. And right. we did not go to anything anything franchised. Really? Yeah, ever. So you never really had fast food? Never. It oh was my God. it was not allowed. Twinkies. Did you allowed. have it like through friends or Yeah, like it was considered verboten. Like okay. like you weren't I like no. We don't eat that. We don't it's eat that. It's like food. how some people pride themselves on not watching TV. Yeah, we didn't have it's a TV like, either. Oh, really? Yeah, for a oh, while. Geez. Yeah. So okay. we were we were real special people. Yeah. Well, in my family, McDonald's was kind of a treat. I think my brothers had birthday parties there. Oh, really? Yeah, the McDonald's down the street. Wow. I have photos. Yeah, no. Um, my mom, our junk food was dim sum. Really? Yeah, isn't that weird? Oh, so yeah. my mom would go to Chinatown. We called it Chinese junk food. And she'd come home and she'd, you know, I, mean, I don't know if you've had ever had cheap dim sum, uh, dim sum but it's yeah. pretty fucking good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's on my list. Shumai. Yeah. Pork buns. Just, I'd like two of those, two, okay, two, three, those, three. Oh, you take more. It's very cheap. Okay, I'll take all that. And like for yeah. five bucks, you can buy the store. Okay, you know? so you did get that like value food relationship. If something's cheaper, mm-hmm. then it almost like negates how bad it is for you. Do you have that? Oh, no. I have that. No, I don't have that at all. I want it and I eat it. Okay. I'm simple. I'm a garbage can. Okay. But you know, tell me about your value thing. I don't know if I have it necessarily anymore. Going to McDonald's here is so expensive and it's not worth it anymore. I think that in our society, you know, if you can get pizza that's like $2.99, it's almost like that is the focus that it's like cheap rather than... No, oh. I think my family, 
you always spent whatever it took to get good food. It wasn't money. wasn't the object. Okay. The food was the object. Like my dad was really weird about food. I haven't gotten into that, but he, he was very picky. And so he would get the best of whatever, the best cheese or the best. Okay. Like he'd come home from the store with these weird cheeses with all the rings, you know, that's like, mm-hmm. it's like the ass cheeses. Yeah. There's this little teeny thing and it would have a sticker on it. Like, you know, like $25 or something like that. I see that in alcoholism with people who buy really expensive wines mm-hmm. and it's like having an expensive wine negates the fact that you had like three of them. It's like, I'm not an alcoholic because I drink expensive shit. Like I'm a connoisseur. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic. What's it like to have this conversation with me? What's it like to talk to a fellow, I don't know what to call us. I don't want to call I it. love it. I love talking about food. <laughs> yeah. I don't get to talk about food enough, I don't okay. think. Well, we can always talk about it again. We can have another another food thing. I would thing love that. As I, or I could maybe- um, Yeah, I maybe mean, we could cook together. I think you'd have a lot to teach me. I only cook a few things. What's really. your- what's What do I cook? Your, yeah. I cook steak. I, cu- I make a salad. How do you cook steak? Pan fried. How do you prepare it? Like How, medium I, I'm medium rare. I'm okay. not very good at judging when it's done though. So I'm still learning oh, to do that. I know, I know, that I know. Test. It doesn't work. I can't, I can't figure it. I, I never get it right. Um, my uh, dad is like very anal retentive about steaks. Like if you overcook it, he won't forgive you. People get weird about steaks. It's yeah. like you've committed a carnal sin, so to speak. Well, it, it is an animal. It is meat. Yeah. Um, I do steaks, salads, lasagna. I make a, a really good oh, res- yeah. red sauce. Oh yeah, I think I saw your lasagna. Yeah, my mom taught me how to make a really good red sauce, and I do. I can grilled cr- cheese. I can, grilled cheese. <laughs> it's in all my podcasts. I talk about my grilled cheese. I I have all these steps. I like you know saute onions, and I make you know it's, it's like grilled cheese cake. Oh yeah, it's really like, yeah. Because it's not just cheese. Well, listen. Okay. Okay. Tell me. All right. So you get this bread, this like pumpernickel bread. It's like, oh, you, like you lost me. We're not, 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 but I'm saying it's dense. Okay. It's dense. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's from. Does it have seeds in it? It has seeds in it. Okay. And you don't like seeds? Are they caraway seeds? I have no idea what oh. the seeds they are, but you just yeah. get, you get really thick, really dense bread and you slice that and you saute onions and soak it in butter. And it's like, it becomes like a sponge cake almost. And then you put okay. the cheese on top of that. Lots of cheese, like more cheese than you need. Okay. And, but, and you have the onions in there. By the time you serve it, it's like a. Is it a sandwich or is it open face? It's, it's, no, it's a sandwich, but you couldn't pick it up. You have to eat it with a fork. Oh, like a it's just, it's just too It's just too gooey to okay. be picked up. And cool. I make that for my friends because I, I want to kill them, I suppose. Food is love. It is. Right? Yeah. I love to cook for my friends. Me yeah. too. Um, so, and I like, I like baked chicken and stuff like that. Um, so I think we're getting close to the end. Do you feel like you're serving the community? Do you feel like you're healing the community with your food blog? Do you think hmm. you're putting- Healing f- the community. Because you, you, were, you were talking earlier about how- Well, how- in the last two years or so, I've switched my focus to more meal prep stuff so that people can do things in advance to make life easier. It's also, I think that food, like meal prep is self-care. So I think that I'm helping people in that way of like getting ahead of their week. I do meal prep mostly so that like on Monday night at like 5 p.m., that's like my witching hour. I'm primed for a binge at that hour. So if I do meal prep on a Sunday, then I can bypass that completely. Okay. And so then I end up having like carrots or whatever like veggies before dinner. Okay. So I would say that I stopped doing a lot of indulgent 
fattening recipes. Mm -hmm. In lieu of that, I am giving people easy ideas for meals for dinner time. Especially with inflation. Um, yeah. The, oh my you God. You have to find ways to, um, I've been watching these videos from the depression where yeah. this, this, this woman, she's like 98 years old. She's doing recipes from when she was in the depression. She does this one with hot dogs and onions and mm -hmm. um, potatoes. Ooh. She just bakes, basically it's like grilled potatoes with hot dogs. She talks about what everything cost and it was a 10 cents to buy a bag of potatoes. Yeah. My mom used to make this thing called crocodile goulash. It was something that she learned in like Girl Scouts. It's baked beans mm -hmm. and you put hot dogs in it, like cut up hot dogs. Oh, yeah. That sounds awful. It was actually really good. I think that the original recipe had like corn in it, but oh, okay. she opted out of that. I, the idea is that like the slices of hot dog are supposed to be like a crocodile. They like kind of mimic like a crocodile head coming out through the beans. Crocodile goulash. I don't know what to say to that. I don't know either. It makes me think of the cups that we had at home with the frog in the bottom. So you drink a glass of milk and then there would suddenly be, there'd be this frog. Oh. Yeah, it's a little clay frog that sits like this at the bottom of the cup and uh -huh. looks up. And so you're drinking, all of a sudden there's this frog head. You never cool. seen those? I've seen like one with an octopus. Yeah, that'll work. But a frog yeah. is better because like it could conceivably actually be in your cup. Yeah. Maybe there was a frog in there the whole time. Curious. Very strange. Anyway, I think we're done. Is there anything you wanted to add? Um, no, except I'm hungry now. I'm really hungry. Yeah. It was really nice talking to you. Me too. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you. See you again. Yeah, for right. sure. Thanks for listening, folks. Please check out Tracy's food blog at shutterbean.com. It really is a special space and a great place to get lost in the internet, especially when you need to. And tune in for the main course episode where we take a deeper look into the issues of shame and guilt around food, dieting, and body image. Also, I had a thought. I think my old sign-off kind of works today. Like maybe this is the last time I'll use it, and or maybe it doesn't work at all. I don't know. Here it goes. So, if you ever find your plate is full, consider getting a larger plate.